Welcome, true believers, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. Excelsior, my name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. Welcome to the Danger Room. here to discuss the uh, September 1981 issue of X-Men on sale June 9th of 1981. It is X-Men, uh, the Uncanny X-Men number 149, back to doing X-Men, and uh, this one's titled, And the Dead Shall Bury the Living. And that tune that you just heard comes from listener James Howlett. More on that later, but let's get into this uh, this issue, Adam, here. Serious, y'all. <laughs> uh, this is a cover which features Wolverine. It features Kitty Pride in a crazy costume, Colossus Storm and Nightcrawler. They all got flashlights, and they're searching out the burnt wreckage of something, and there is a man behind them. Astute fans will recognize this man, but I certainly didn't, so... <laughs> I didn't either. Uh, so we won't spoil it. Uh, I mean whatever it's a dude that we've met before in these very pages but he wasn't this is a uh, dave cockrum penciled and joseph rubenstein pen- uh, inked cover and um colored by glennis ween interestingly enough the uh the little box that has all the, their little faces still contains angel's face he never really left <laughs> he's still part of the team he'll be back hmm. they mention him in this issue uh yeah they, they do uh, yeah, so this is written by Chris Claremont, Dave Cockerman, and Joseph Rubenstein providing the art. Janice Chang is the letterer, Glennis Ween is the colorist, Lewis Jones is the editor, and Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. And, Adam, the X-Men are still repairing the Danger Room. It's, it's never going to be done. Which is a continuity error for, like, the second issue of Dazzler, when we were like, no, it has to be fixed, because they were shown exercising in the danger room. Well, now, the second issue of Dazzler takes place continuity-wise after this issue. Does it? Despite the fact that, (laughs) uh, publishing-wise, it's already happened. That's not possible. (laughs) But if you say so... Uh, and the professor here, he is monitoring the repairs, but he's also writing he down... He doesn't care about the repairs. Well, he's, he's focused on Magneto. He's got it on the big Vizzy screen. Magneto's on the small Vizzy screen. I think that's actually a window. No, oh, you're right. I think you're right. Uh, so you got a picture of Magneto's uh, face close up, and then you got a picture of Magneto far away using his little powers. Labeled yeah. Magneto, in case you didn't realize it was him. <laughs> that's right. He's got a calculator for some reason. He's calculating the odds, maybe, of Magneto attacking. (laughs) He appears to be writing down Magneto on a (laughs) sheet of paper on the top line. In his right hand, there's also some papers, uh, one of which we can make out the top of Magneto's helmet. So he is infatuated with Magneto. It looks like he's tried to form a crumpled piece of paper into the shape of Magneto's helmet. This is what his helmet would look like if it was made out of paper. Ooh, damn you, Magneto. Um, so he is sure that Magneto will be attacking soon. 
He doesn't know why. Origin unknown, although his features are Caucasian, probably Nordic, antecedents unknown, master of magnetism, able to ma uh, manipulate awesome energies with childish ease. Unlike me, he believes that Homo sapiens and Homo superior can never live together in peace. And now I will recite every appearance of Magneto. <laughs> so, I don't know. This is really odd to me because I, I've always been under the impression that at some point it's revealed that they were friends from way back. But this little balloon here, he says, origins unknown. I don't know where he came from. He's probably Caucasian. He looks white. I guess we'll have to see how this gets retconned. <laughs> maybe Mag or maybe uh, the professor had a bout of amnesia, and in whatever episode or issue they reveal it, and he's like, "Oh, my mental blocks—they're shedding." I remember you. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, he does. We get a flashback of their very first encounter, and then a plus their first encounter with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, plus the time he got turned into a baby, which is interesting. Like. Magneto was featured pretty heavily in that classic series of X-Men comics. Uh, why would you go for these two appearances and then the appearance when he's turned into a baby? Uh, you get the highlights. <laughs> kind of. First appearance, first appearance with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, and then turned into a baby. I mean, really, when you, when you get down to it, that's really all that matters. That's true. I had always uh, thought that Claremont was trying to, like, ignore that child thing but clearly not he's oh no he embraced it how you how can you ignore somebody being turned into a baby remember after all magneto when he created nanny to take care of the x-men when he captured them he was trying to get back at them for uh being involved in his being turned into a baby that's a good point by turning them into babies well you got a good point there so i guess he has embraced that whole plot line yep so then we get to see um, Eric the Red and a little description that Eric the Red freedom. Alien science. And then the new X-Men, he talks about how they got handily beaten. And the professor is just, he's thinking really hard and concentrating. And he's he's got no proof, but he's so sure. Uh, I have come to know the man and how he feels and thinks. And to realize that in a great many ways, in too many ways, Magneto and I are uncomfortably alike. Perhaps that's why he is my nemesis. <laughs> well, while the professor is sitting there thinking really, really hard, he's in for a surprise. Kitty Pride bursts in through the screens, destroying all of his data, and she's dressed in a wacky new costume, presenting the all-new, all-different, all-together stunning Sprite. What do you think, Professor? Pretty snazzy, huh? She's got... Roller skate. She's got leggings that go up to her hips. She's got like gold thigh protectors and then green shorts and X belt. And then what can only be like a uh, an American gladiators halter top type thing going on up top. Gold arms and then yellow gloves and then what looks like maybe a Marvel Girl domino mask but purple. I feel like this is the predecessor to Jubilee in some ways. Oh, I'm sure that. That's the whole point behind Kitty Pride is to try to insert some something that the kids can relate to, don't you think? Well, I mean, I'm specifically referring to Jubilee's costume. Oh, because I always thought, like, uh, generationally, it seems like they always, or not always, but have uh, added, like, what they thought was hip to the young kids, right? In the 90s, it's Jubilee. 
late 70s, it's Kitty Pride. Well, yeah. I, I mean, the characters are, yeah. There's there's others. And then they just kind of fade to the background. Although Kitty, she doesn't really fade to the background too much. Anyways. Jubilee, Jubilee never really faded. The, I mean, she did, but she always she always comes back like Kitty Pride does. Okay. And the professor, understandably, is really angry. Jubilee's a mother and a vampire now. Really? I didn't know that. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> we don't even know who Jubilee is. Well, they'll forget all about this. Catherine Pride, how often have I told you that I am never to be disturbed without permission when I am working by phasing through the wall? Wait a minute. He's never to be disturbed without permission when I am working. Oh, I see. And then there's a period. How would he through the wall? You completely disrupted the computer circuitry. All the data I had on screen and in temporary storage when you entered has been irretrievably lost. But how would maybe a saved professor <laughs> control S control S how would she obtain permission to disturb the professor when asking for that permission would be a disturbance? <laughs> <laughs> the professor's just being a dick. I'm sorry, professor. He's he's overreacting way too much. Oh, yeah. And he goes on to, to lecture her and say, individual costume has to be earned. It's awarded at graduation. No sooner. Please go, Kitty. I have a great deal to do. But but none of the other X-Men graduated. <laughs> Not these new X-Men. That's a good point. They didn't even take classes. It's true. They came costume equipped. I'm a whiz at computers. I could help you. You have already done quite enough, he thinks to her. I will not tell you again, child. Leave now. And this time use the door. So she's... Like, what's he going to do? Well, she says, He didn't have to use his mental powers to force me out. Isn't he aware at close range? His telepathic shouts hurt. Unless that was his intention. Professor Xavier is a big jerk. (laughs) Well, at some point, Kitty will actually say that. Really? Well, not big jerk. Whoa, <laughs> must be psychic. But yes, I think the uh, the hint here is that the professor subtly used some mind control to get her to leave. What a jerk. Yeah. I hate the professy. The professy? The professy. <laughs> Meanwhile, insi- inside the danger room, the X-Men are repairing it, um, and, and Storm is like, wasn't it a wonderful being in America? Where I was a goddess and now I'm a mechanic. So I don't know if she's being sarcastic or if she's really like, this, being this is the land of opportunity, everybody. System four checks, Kurt. Danke, Aurora. That's four down in the thousand to go. Wolverine mentions that, you know, why are they even bothering repairing this when they could just be doing, uh, like, the little hunts that he and Kurt have been doing? That's because you always win. I must owe you a couple dozen cases of beer. 29, to be precise. And when it comes to the important things in life, namely brewing broads, <laughs> I'm very precise. Brew. Is it 29 cases of beer or 29 dozen cases of beer? I must owe you a couple dozen cases of beer. Well, that'd be at least 24. Oh, 29. Yeah, 29 cases of beer. Yeah. Or 29 dozen cases of beer. <laughs> and... I don't know. I just like his brews and broads. <laughs> Brew and broads. And uh, Storm isn't like, Wolverine, that's very offensive. <laughs> Lumping me in the same category as a beer and referring to me as a broad. You brute. But he's distracted as uh, Kitty Pride phases through the ceiling 
somehow. And um, she says, hello, kitten. I don't know why it's spelled H-U-L-L-O. Yeah, Storm is very casual, almost as if maybe she's being doppelganged in this issue. She doesn't seem like she's Storm at all. Hello, kitten. I'd like to point out that the guy, I think, who is in the background is wearing a Darth Vader sweater. Oh, yeah, it's Colossus. It looks like, and it's a sweater. It's not like a T-shirt. Well, it's not like they didn't sell Darth Vader sweaters. A knit sweater with Darth Vader on it? Yeah, oh, come on. <laughs> they had everything. <laughs> or do you think uh, the Darth Vader face is knitted on there as well? You think that Storm knitted it for her or, or Nightcrawler? <laughs> or maybe Wolverine? Yeah, Peter. I bet Wolverine does crochet with his claws. <laughs> oh. That would be awesome. He's, Somebody out there needs to draw that. He's more of a cross-stitcher, if you ask me. Wolverine doing, like, some sewing Sewing a sweater for, no. for uh, Peter with his with with one claw, uh, out of each hand. Fan art time, Wolverine knitting an Afghan for whoever you want with one claw on each hand. Got to be a Darth Vader Afghan. <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? There you go. the The gauntlet has been dropped. Everybody, draw it. Storm um, decides that kitten looks miserable and she wants to lighten up the mood. By throwing her across the room with like, a gust of wind. Again. Not sure how this, uh, this just seems like really rude. Not storm-like, uh, you know. If you, if you ask me, I think this is literally uh, mystique inside the danger room. She's infiltrated, she's learning the systems, and she's like, What would storm do? I know. She would make this little girl go flying across the room because that's funny. A strong gust of wind and a clap of thunder should shatter her concentration and throw her off balance. And make her fall to the ground. This would make her feel better. (laughs) Ha ha ha! You fell! I also don't know how the other X-Men have picked up on Storm's cue. (laughs) Well, they're a well-oiled machine of a team. Oh, Storm seems to be blowing Kitty across the room. I will join in the fun! Relax your body, Catstin. I will show you how we used to do this in circus. Hallyoop. Over to you, Logan. Much obliged, bub. Punk and I hate to say it, but we gotta stop meeting like this. I think your boyfriend is getting suspicious. Catch Colossus. I haven't got a boy. Oh, hi, Peter. I rest my case. And then... By the, kid, by the way, kid, what the are you wearing? <laughs> it's my new costume. Do you like it? I think it's neat. <laughs> I think it is absolutely ow. And then in another totally um, out of character panel, Storm zaps Nightcrawler in the butt with a lightning bolt. And she speaks <laughs> German. You say nothing. Verse, verse, verstaten. I don't think we've done that one before, Adam. Verstehen. Verstehen. But you have to say it with an African accent. Verstehen. <laughs> Which I guess means understand. Totally weird. So the professor, he's sensing how everything is completely out of place in the danger room. So he appears and says, X-Men, report to the briefing room. I have an important mission for you. I don't know. Does he really need to appear as a giant head? (laughs) Yeah. Well, maybe they haven't uh, repaired the loudspeaker system. (laughs) He's just showing off. Obey my giant head, for I am the Wizard of X. (laughs) Don't look behind that curtain. Nothing to see. So they depart. They're on their modified SR-71 Blackbird, and their destination is the bottom of the Earth, yo. 
The professor is so obsessed with Magneto that he sends the X-Men on a reconnaissance mission to see if Magneto is there. That just sounds stupid. <laughs> it's a bad plan. <laughs> Storm thinks to herself that this is a reconnaissance mission. Uh, not, not, not supposed to be anything more, but what if they do find something? What can the four of us do besides get our butts handed to us? She thinks about Angel, wish that Angel was here because he's got experience. But after the argument about Wolverine, he believes Logan is too dangerous to be an X-Man. I believe we must accept Wolverine in spite of the danger. I hope this estrangement is not permanent, but it's uh, the chasm has grown between us uh, too wide and too deep. Meanwhile, in another uncharacteristic panel, Colossus and Wolverine are playing gin with each other. And Colossus looks like, like a card-playing shyster. He does. Gin Davorich. Now we play for money. Are you trying to imply that you don't think that Chris Claremont wrote this issue? (laughs) You know, his name is on the writing credits, but I didn't actually think about that until now. I just figured that maybe, I mean, this is clearly, spoilers, a fill-in issue. Uh, Maybe maybe Dave Cockrum just did this one and Chris Claremont kind of filled in the dots. Maybe Chris Claremont's like, yeah, it's fine. Put my name on it. I'm working on 150 in Avengers Annual 10, so uh, Dave Cockrum... Do a fill-in issue. Why don't you just do this? Off to find Magneto for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> just make it connect to the next issue. You got the plot outline, don't you? Good. Go. <laughs> it's not even good Cockrum art. So maybe Joseph Rubenstein did this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> or who's that new uh, uh, letterer? Janice Chang? Maybe she's the brains behind this whole thing. Anyways. Uh, and then, and then, so Colossus is like doing that shuffle thing where his hands are white, wide apart and the cards are going back and forth. He's like, would you care for another game? That's, Colossus, that's not Colossus. <laughs> it's fun Colossus. <laughs> yeah. Wolverine knows when he's been, uh, been hustled, but, uh, now it's time for some snacks. Would anybody else like some munchies? <laughs> so he goes into the snacks bin. <laughs> In that the SR-71 Blackbird happens to have. Yeah. It's, it's a uh, full-size door, so they must have, like, a little pantry in there. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes when you're flying around, it's uh, you get hungry. You want some Cheetos. and But apparently... I'm just saying they don't need a full-size room for <laughs> snacks. I'm with you. So he opens up the door, and he's like, what the... Surprise, surprise, look who's snoozing in the storage locker, rising giant pumpkin. <laughs> And he's holding her up very comically by her shorts. This is terrible. <laughs> this is like the bad guy in Scooby-Doo holding up Shaggy and being like, I, I don't know, zoinks. <laughs> Why would the bad guy say zoinks? I don't know. Somebody says zoinks and, and Shaggy's being held up by his shorts. I don't know. It's not X-Men. And Wolverine's got like a big smile on his face. Looky what I found. Yeah. Aurora gets mad. Nightcrawler finds it amusing. She decided and... to come along for a ride. Ha 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 No one said I couldn't go. Besides, this is a scouting mission. What could happen? Yep. Storm rem- Colossus is chuckling to himself. <laughs> Kitty, do you want to play some cards with me? He's probably still laughing about beating Wolverine. Well, Storm he is... He doesn't even realize Kitty is there yet. <laughs> yeah. 
Who's who's he? Oh, hey, kitty. What's up, the cuts? Storm is really mad, and she's tempted to turn this aircraft around, even though they've nearly reached their destination. But because the professor said that time was of the essence, they're not going to. Okay. Why did the professor say that time was of the essence? We don't know what's there, but you need to get there now. Yes. <laughs> and time is of the essence. No sense at all. Um, I just need to know. I really need to know. Is he there? Even though from both accounts of both teams, the whole thing was collapsed and uh, imploded with lava. I just need to know if he's still there. <laughs> well, anyways, they've uh, arrived at the volcano. It's alive. There's lava stuff going on. They talk about how the last time they visited, uh, they were aboard a flying carnival wagon, and uh, Magneto dropped them right into the caldera. Not this time, though. Is this our first cat's, cat's gin? I don't think so, but maybe. Kittens. Whoops. Cat's gin. Translation of cat's gin. Uh, kitten, kitty, pussy, catkin. It's all over the place. I think he's calling her pussy. <laughs> uh, yes, anyways, this may or may not be the first catch, and I have no idea. We haven't been doing a very good job keeping track of these things. But anyways, they uh, are not going to go through the lava. They're going to go through a hole that Phoenix blasted in the ground. Way back in X-Men number 113. Take this Parker Kitty. Your old costume may have been unattractive, but at least it was insulated. Yep, so they put Wolverine in the front so because he's got the keenest senses. Uh, Storm. Um, I'm... Kid, wait. you're still wearing them flaming roller skates. Wait a minute. No problem, Wolverine. I'm walking on air, not the snow. They don't bog me down. But this dialogue box is connected. So you have to say it like this. Wolverine. You have the keenest senses. You take the point. Gotcha, Storm. I'm kid. You still wearing those flame and roller skates? You're totally right. <laughs> the dialogue box. There's no other lines. It's it's like two sentences munged together. I completely missed that. That's terrible. All right. Well, anyways, so as as Wolverine's talking to himself, I'm gonna be the whole team. Armor up, Colossus. Okay, okay, Wolverine. <laughs> have we reached the bottom? <laughs> Looks like it's Storm. Want me to cut through the wall? Let Colossus do it. If, the, if there's lava on the other side, he'll be the least vulnerable to it. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> Come here, Kajchen. Uh, Colossus uh, steals up, I suppose, and for the first time in the series, he does not destroy his clothes when he does it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Uh, and he bursts a hole into uh, Magneto's old base, and apparently... Uh, the lava flow must have stopped because most of the base is still intact, although a little bit decrepit. And now his jacket is open. If you look at his jacket in the previous two panels, there's no zipper there. That's a good point. It's a parka. Yeah, yeah. It goes over the head. So maybe he ripped it open? <laughs> no, I just think that they're trading off artists and nobody's really keeping track of the previous panel. I have no use for this. Rip! <laughs> <laughs> And they all abandon their parkas. They they just leave their parkas at the entrance. Well, I mean, they do say, like, at least the volcano keeps things well heated. I know, but, like, in that panel, Colossus is stripping out of his parka, and Nightcrawler is already out of his parka, and I can't really tell what's going on with Kitty Pride. No. But by the next panel, she is also out of her parka. 
So they're walking around throughout the base. They're wondering why certain rooms have been cleaned out. Some of the machines have been exposed. Um, like the lava selectively flowed through the base. Or somebody was here since the last battle. And somebody says, Kitty, if you must skate, do so on air. Those wheels make too much noise on a floor. A deaf man could hear you coming. I think that's Storm saying that. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, it is. Even earlier, though, she was saying that she was floating on air. I don't know. So she makes no sense. Well, she, I guess now on the ground, like now that she's inside and she's in, there's not snow, she's skating on the ground. She's like, wee, everybody, this is fun. <laughs> Team roller skates. <laughs> Colossus, I want a couple's dance with you. Duh. They find the head of Nanny. Talk about her a little bit. Lips out. Our last poor Nanny, I knew her, Horatio, a robot of infinite jest. Bull. Snicket. And he smashes at the head. Right out of Nightcrawler's hands. My only regret, Bub, is that I'm not cutting that robot and not the slime who built her. Yeah. And none of us have pleasant memories, blah 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 Let's split up. Look for what we're trying to find, which we don't really know what we're trying to find. Do not worry, Storm. I will take excellent care of Kitty. And I'll keep him out of trouble, too. Come on, Colossus. How about we go this way? Das Vidanya, my friends. Das Vidanya? Das Vidanya. Das Vidanya. Das Vidanya, my friends, and wish me luck. I'm going to score. <laughs> no. Storm is, she. she's apparently worried about Kitty, but maybe she shouldn't be so worried because she's in safe hands with Peter. But still, I wish she was with me. Somebody thinks, by the black deep, my prayers have been answers. It is she. I could destroy her where she stands, but that would be too quick, too easy. Her torment must be as exquisite as my own. Storm, Aurora. Wind Rider. <laughs> I.e., we have pages to fill. <laughs> what? Who, who called my name? Have, have you... you so soon forgot him who you murdered? Garrock! And then we get a flashback of them back in the Savage Land where she tried to save Garrock as he was falling down the hole. And she got caught up by some of her claustrophobia, and she had to pull up at the last moment, and she was unable to pull him up. In effect, killing Garrock. Although not really. She not tried. Really. She tried. Yeah. Uh, and then she thinks to herself, that was months ago, but those memories are as fresh as it just happened. How could this be? Hey, and since she calls on the radio microtransceiver, and it looks like it's coming from Wolverine's earpiece, I'm going to speak this word balloon in Wolverine's voice. Yeah. Wolverine, are we alone down here? Have your enhanced senses spotted anything unusual? Negative, Storm. Heard nothing. Seen nothing. Smelt nothing. Except of us, of course. Especially Peter. He, he didn't shower this morning. Place as quiet as the tomb. Storm wishes she felt more uh, reassured. So we flip our attention over to Colossus and Kitty who are going through the corridors here. What are we supposed to be looking for? Anything out of the ordinary. Peter, this whole place... <coughs> this whole place is out of the ordinary. It's it's huge, too. And I'm talking... The word, about... balloon, the word balloon connector is um, blue and doesn't connect anything. <laughs> I thought that was actually part of the background. And clearly so did the colorist. <laughs> well, I'll just make this blue. I don't know what it is. Nothing else in the panel is blue. <laughs> it's huge. I mean the corridor. It's huge. <laughs> Covering eight cubic miles. 
kilometers rather. Blah, blah, blah. They thought they had destroyed it. Kitty's like, so much for that theory. Colossus wonders how much is intact. Blah, blah, blah. Beats me, but if speed is of the essence, I can cover a lot more ground in record time. I've been practicing. So she wants to phase through the wall to see what's on the other side of the wall. But Colossus is like, no, feel the wall. It is hot. I think beyond that is molten lava. Right. The volcano. I'm not very smart. <laughs> I feel contact storm. Tell her we found nothing. Peter, someone hit him, but who? No! It's true. Someone did hit Peter. And now it's Garrick, but he's all messed up. He's a half what he was and half melty man. I am keeper. I am keeper. Whatever. I'm bored. <laughs> keeper of this place. Honestly, I don't recognize him at all. No. Like, the half of him that looks is supposed to be Garrick-like, it's not very recognizable. Was he a diamond man? Wasn't he all thin before? He was. Now he's all bulky and like double the height really, of Kitty. like twice as tall. Yeah. yeah. He's been working out, I guess. Well, what else are you going to do when you're stuck in a volcano? What's he been eating? Has he been like laying on the carbs? Rocks. He's uh, condemned by Magneto to defend this base uh, against all intruders. How's that work? Don't know. So she phases through him and it hurts him. I'm hurt, but how I've phased through people. Wait, who's thinking that? Um, Kitty, but there's no... <laughs> well, the, the dots seem to be coming from... Like, they try to go around Garrick's head. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. they colored yellow. Yeah. So it looks like Garrick's head bubbles. So Garrick gets hurt with the phase and Kitty gets a little hurt by the phase, but not so much that she can't get Peter or try to wake Peter up. And Garak's. Does she get hurt? I don't think she gets hurt. Yeah, she does. She says, I, I, oh, oh, she thinks to herself that she hurt him. Okay. She's trying to wake up Peter and she can't raise anybody on the radio. And Garak decides to kill them both by uh, opening up the lava flow. Colossus might survive, but will you? And she screams. And Aurora hears the scream from across the base and thinks, and, and being a weather witch, she can feel the temperature is shooting up and that they, the shield must have been breached and lava is flooding the complex. And she immediately generates the highest speeds and lowest temperatures possible and hurls it up the tunnel at the lava flow, which Wolverine surmises. Hold on! Wish we got a little warning, right? Am I right? I'm telling you. There's no telling how much power she'll need. And everything is coated in ice. It is so beautiful. The lava flow has cooled and solidified. We are safe. But what of Kitty and Peter? Wolverine, Nightcrawler, I need your help. But Peter, of, Kitty, are you okay? Out of nowhere, an icy colossus is hurled at Storm. It's Ice Colossus Man. <laughs> is she hurt? Wolverine says that he's or she's stunned and then asks if he's any good at climbing ice. I never know until I try. <laughs> Why? <laughs> uh, somebody threw Petey out of that tunnel. That lava flow is no accident. Wait, somebody's here. <laughs> Figure we're facing Magneto himself or one of his flunkies, even though I can't smell anything. So, out of the shadows comes a... comes Garrock. Unconscious storm? What a pity. You're making things way too easy for me. The child is dead, and you and Colossus lie helpless before me. That leaves two of your party unaccounted for... And I'm going to uh, use my light glowing power to bring them out, I guess. Which he does. Um, 
because they can function in pitch darkness. Alas, I have the power to remove that darkness. And so I guess that makes uh, Nightcrawler visible, even though they really haven't been using that power so much. They kind of hint at it, though. I see you, Nightcrawler, and Garak sees, and when Garak sees, he slays. (laughs) Garak, aren't you supposed to be dead yourself? The disintegrator beams he fires from his eyes have lost none of their potency. His deadly eyes. <laughs> I will teleport onto his back. Which he does. Bamf. And Garrick says, I was rescued, pulled at the last instant from all the oblivion I yearned for by Magneto. So then he hurls Nightcrawler somewhere, but then uh, Wolverine comes out and slashes him on the back. Garak says, your claws can't hurt me. See, this is where Nightcrawler should have bamfed behind uh, Garak with the force of Garak's own throw. That would have been cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Kitty must have been hurled out of the volcano base because she then phases in through the wall, talking about how now she has some air. She well, took- she was covered in lava and then... Uh, this is what I think happened. I think she was covered in lava from the lava flow and then Storm froze all the lava. Mm. So she was trapped inside the frozen lava, but she phased through the whole thing. Right. So she just started running I took toward the... back towards where she came from and survived. I took the deepest breath. breath I could and phased before the lava hit me. I was so scared. So didn't we decide that uh, Kitty Pride couldn't speak unless she was not phasing? Yeah, there was something in the letters panel. But basically, anytime you hear her speak and she's phased, it's because she's unfazed her vocal cords. Right. (laughs) At least that's what the editor said. Uh, Moving through the rock was like swimming through mud, so I kind of like that little touch. Uh, But then she slips on her own uh, roller skates and falls on her butt. Of all the silly, careless, laughable, dumb things to do, especially at a time like this... Getting around on skates is a lot harder than Dazzler makes it look. She can't hear anything, so she runs off and she decides to herself that it's up to her to save the day. Again. And there we go. Garrock is looking at a pit of lava and says a miniature version of the pit into which I fell a few months ago. Into it I shall hurl storm and there will be no one to save her at the last instant as Magneto did me. Or Not sure I. Why he needs to bring that up again. By the way, if you forgot, Magneto used to be here. Um, he not only is looking at the hole, he is creating it with his uh, eye blasts. True that. So then he picks up Storm, almost comically like Wolverine had uh, Kitty Pride picked up. And uh, he's about to hurl her into the hole when Kitty comes up and says, No! And runs over to Wolverine, waking him up and says, Throw me at Garak! And oh, he- was that? All right, here you go. Man, the professor's going to be mad at me. Do and, it! Uh, she phases through Garrock, and Nightcrawler bamfs over to Storm, but gets knocked aside. Uh, Garrock is again in pain, but instead of hurling Storm into the hole, he jumps into the hole with Storm in tow. Nine, ach, nine, it cannot be. Shut up, all you. I thought I heard something. And they flash their flashlight down. And they see, well, actually, Kitty goes into the hole uh, walking on air, as she does. Mm-hmm. Talks about how weird it is to be a hero. A year ago, she was a basic suburban teenage whiz. Not full of herself or anything. Now look at me. I wonder what the gang 
gang at Deerfield would say if only there was a gang who was my friends. <laughs> oh, and if they knew, I found her! And so uh, Storm was laying on a little outcropping of rocks. She's alive and unconscious. Um, I'll need Nightcrawler's help. So she's kind of coordinating some events here, showing a little bit of leadership initiative. If the misfit were to arrive in an instant, child, he would still be too late to save you, says Garrick from out of the shadows. Garrick! I'm not sure how Garrick is able to hide so well. Uh, he's got Nightcrawler powers. And he's, I think, about to like hit her, but she dodges out of the way. Phases. She kind of phases through his hand, presumably. And it hurts him again, and he loses his balance and falls into yet another pit. So now Kitty's the murderer. Yep. <laughs> Oh, it's Garrick's fault, really. The ledge is crumbling. Can I phase and walk on air while carrying someone? I don't know, and this is no time to find out. Throw me a rope, guys, fast. But Nightcrawler teleports down. No rope, Gatschen. And this time it has an umlaut over the A before it didn't. Nightcrawler is speaking Russian now? Sure, why or, not? Or is that German? <laughs> no rope, Gatschen. I can't climb up either. The rock is falling too fragile and crumbly. I'm afraid I have no choice. But to return with Aurora the way I came. So he teleports up, but the strain is excruciating and he falls to the ground. He doesn't even make it all the way up. He only be, <laughs> he, he, he only bamps halfway up, for close enough for Pete Pete to grab him. And meanwhile says, catch him, Petey. I'm just going to stand over here. I will ensure that your pain and sacrifice for not in vain. <laughs> Colossus tosses them up. <laughs> Later, aboard the Blackboard, after Kitty rejoins the team and Storm and Nightcrawler begin to recover from their ordeal. We don't know how Kitty recovered, but whatever. Well, she just, you know, she well, walked up the she walked up the invisible stairs on her roller skates. How do you roller skate on the air? Do the wheels turn? Well, no, I it, the wheels don't turn. No, she she just phases and walks on air. She just happens so to like, have roller she's skates. She's like on. sliding on air, but like pretending like she's roller skating. Yeah, it's a great effort for no real gain. Magneto went to considerable trouble to excavate and protect his conflict. I think those facts alone confirm Professor Xavier's fear. Magneto is up to something. Right. It's the <laughs> paradox X-Men. Clearly. Yeah, what? And when is he going to strike and where? And most important of all, darling, when Maggie finally makes his move, how the blazes are we going to stop him? I would I'm like Wolverine to... and I'm impatient. I would like to point out that everybody's got a snack. Yep. So they must have dug deep into the back of that pantry and pulled some sandwiches out. About time. Well, meanwhile, Cyclops has now dressed up in like an octopus shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's talk, thinking to himself about how yesterday he and Lee were almost dead from starvation. And now they've got food and clothing and shelter. But the situation couldn't be more desperate. Because, by the way, in case you didn't read last issue, the man who's helping us is Magneto. He didn't recognize me under my blindfold, and Lee didn't blow my cover, bless her, when I gave him a false name of Trix McMadden. <laughs> if he learns my true identity, I'm as good as dead. Ahem. Lee. Lee. Princess Lee. If this outfit is anything to go by, I wish you could see me, but I'm glad, glad you can't. So she's wearing some... more dressed skinny dipping. I'm not sure why I put on all this leg crap. I really didn't have to. Or this helmet. 
None of this was necessary. <laughs> the only thing that may be necessary is like the bikini bottom and this little capy top. But yes, the helmet and the elaborate legging leglets, whatever you want to call them, are totally unnecessary. She's got a little shell, ornate shell design right below her belly button and above her crotch for some reason. Maybe that just not, holds the whole thing Cy- together. Cyclops says, I'm not quite sure. Am I wearing an octopus? <laughs> um, Yes. <laughs> I think I know the feeling. I must look pretty bizarre myself. You look lovely. I'm still flirting with you, even though our relationship is very strange. Would you want to do it? We're wearing fish costumes. <laughs> Nothing could be hotter. Um, How are you holding up? Fine, considering my near total ignorance of the situation. Scott, what is going on here? And why does Magneto scare you so? I'll tell you later. Till then, trust me, babe. Please. Good morning. I I trust you both slept well? Very well. Uh, Thank you. Uh, It's me, Trix McFadden. Excellent. Uh, By the way, Cyclops, you may remove that ridiculous blindfold if you wish. So long as you remain my guest, your vaunted optic blast will not function. You are quite helpless and quite at my mercy. Next issue. A world Mm -hmm. held hostage with only eight... To be continued or a fin or a... Mm Mm-mm. Eight lives standing between it and the world being at hostage and enslavement. It is simply entitled, I, Magneto. Dun, dun, dun. I can't wait. Actually, I can't. <laughs> this little storyline's being uh, quite boring. Yeah, this was not a good issue. No, this is a bad, bad issue. This was a filler, and it felt like a filler. So fillerish. <laughs> uh, so one of the tough parts about trying to do a podcast over the summer is too many darn things involving not doing podcasts come up. So we've been a little lackluster in recording podcasts, and so our mailbag has piled up quite high. Indeed. So settle in. Mix yourself up a eight ball special no a, a danger room an eight ball special <laughs> it's not even x-men related a fastball special <clears throat> uh patrick moe he emailed us in and he believes that he has been with our podcast from the beginning which is fantastic because i don't think we had anybody at the very beginning but but that's good to hear um Regarding episode 130's request for feedback on whether or not or how to address the other X-related books, uh, as more will be added to the Marvel Library, one thing that he appreciated is the detail that we went through the comics and feel that the own, uh, that, uh, uh, wow, I just died there. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that I appreciate is the detail that you go through your comics and I feel only that, I feel I only get that with a couple of other podcasts. I definitely don't want to lose that part of your podcast. I've listened to both X and non-X related podcasts that focus on a lot of comics. Well, I enjoy that there's something missing as you get little snippets in, in, into each, but not the kind of detail slash discussion I like to hear. His suggestion is focus on the uncanny over the other books. If there was a major arc that encompasses the other books, go into those in a little more detail and continue touching on other X books characters um, as importance arises. Yes. Essentially, Essentially keep doing what you were doing, but maybe add more emphasis as crossover stories become a bigger player for the X franchise. It may not be a big deal when you deal with the new mutants and X factor, but maybe it's 
more when you come across adjective and adjectiveless X-Men where people are on multiple books, teams, etc. Keep up the great work. Yes, great suggestions. And we've been getting a number of suggestions as we are getting closer to those runs. So again, we're taking them all in, taking them all in and something will be pumped out. I don't know what. Uh, but Jake Ivey, he emails us and he says, as we inch closer to the Wolverine miniseries, how are you guys going to cover it? I feel like you should cover the entire series in one episode, somewhere between 171 and 172. What do you think? Well, I personally think that there's a Kitty Pride and Wolverine miniseries as well as the Wolverine miniseries that we owe it to ourselves in this uh, podcast to cover. So we'll do something. Yeah, we might. I don't know. I'd always imagined us doing all four issues of the Wolverine miniseries, but maybe we will just do it as one mash big episode. It really depends. I mean, if we go back to the uh, in-between years of the old series and the new series, we had planned on doing that as one two-hour episode, and we ended up getting like six hours of content out of it. So sometimes you just don't plan it. Yeah. So we'll we'll kind of we'll figure it out as we go. And uh, yeah, we're, there's definitely a place where it fits in chronologically wise. So we're definitely going to sandwich it in, in there somewhere. But yeah, we're definitely going to do it. So we're definitely going to do the Wolverine and Kitty Pride too. Uh, ben Avery, who is a friend of Professor Allen, who astute listeners will recognize as, well, one of our listeners who's contributed some good information to the podcast, uh, was referred to our podcast uh, by Professor Allen. Uh, he says he loves the podcast. He's making his way through the back issues via three routes. I really like this. He's listening to new episodes as they come out. Then he's listening to episodes from the beginning. And then he's also listening from the pre-Giant Size X-Men 1 era forward. In other words, he's on episode 56, 88, and 131 all at the same time. He's not rotating <laughs> evenly, simply re- uh, jumping back and forth for a few episodes uh, while he waits for the newer episodes to be released. That's That's pretty funny. That's a good way to do it, though. Uh, yeah. He doesn't have much to add right now, but he does love the coverage of the period between the cancellation of X-Men and Giant Size number one. He's always been curious about that period of time and knew some of what was going on, but not all of uh, what was going on. Those episodes are the highlights, and he would recommend this podcast to any fan, but for people who are uh, interested in comics. He recommends those episodes as starting points, which actually is probably a pretty good idea. In my opinion... Uh, well, they're, they're the funniest because it was like a very goofy time in the Marvel Universe. And we'd kind of learned a lot more about podcasting and talking to one another. So it clicks a little bit better. Not saying that the old ones are bad, but it's just it's a good period to start with. So I, I yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I kind of want to go back to the old episodes and listen to secure how bad they are. <laughs> I have and I don't you know, I don't want to, you know, like toot myself too much off. But the first episode, while we didn't have a name and starts off a little janky is pretty tight but uh, i will say that when you get to there's there's some you know in the first 10 where you're like hooray come on move on you two but i thought the the first issue i'm not uh uh i'm proud of because it is uh it's short and it it's funny enough that it seems that it would well i'm biased too because i made it so i'll move on anyways <laughs> uh ben also says that uh we were talking about Chris Claremont stealing uh, ideas from Star Wars and talking about the dates and how it lines up with Star Wars, considering the whole Imperial Cruiser and whatnot. 
Uh, X-Men 105 came out with a cover date of June 77, while Star Wars number 1 came out with a cover date of July 77. And X-Men number 106 shares a cover date with Star Wars number 2, August 1977. So Roy Thomas would have been working on the Star Wars comics at about the same time Chris Claremont was writing the X-Men comics. The timing works out that, yes, Chris Claremont could have seen production artwork or the script from Star Wars and uh, could have been influenced by them. He only thought to connect those dates because he's currently doing a podcast about those Star Wars issues. Uh, and when you guys were wondering about the possibilities of stealing, uh, for stealing, I thought, you know what? He may not have committed the crime, but he had the opportunity. Um, and he also mentions uh, John Carter of Mars's girlfriend name is Deja Thoris, which was also the name of Peter Corbo's boat. That's right. Which I believe we asked, what is that? Yep. But he does not mention what the name of his podcast is, his Star Wars podcast, so he can't plug it. But he does say uh, benavery.com, comicbooktimemachine.com, and welcometolevel7.com are uh, three of his um, uh, websites. Well, brain freeze for a second. Yeah, I would go check. Hopefully one of those has the... uh, his his Star Wars comic book podcast, but if send us another letter if we didn't get the name of it. Yeah, I would, I would that would be an interesting thing to check out. Um, have you ever read any of those old Star Wars comics? Uh, I have read like an issue here and there, and they've always been like really bizarre. <laughs> yes, but, I would, but, but I've never read them like. I don't think I've read a single two issues in order. Uh, no, no, just, like a random issue. So for for my memory like most movie um adaptations in comic book form are usually two oversized issues or four regular sized issues and if i'm not mistaken the star wars uh, mini series or no the star wars series kicks off with either a five or a six part adaptation of the star wars movie and then launches into the expanded universe or whatever you want to call it and in my collection the only star wars comic if you can call it i own is a cover of issue number six. Like, the inside is gone, so I just have the cover. <laughs> but I've got it polybagged. I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> here it is. You just frame it and put it up as, a, like, a poster. I had it hanging on the wall for a little while, but I've redecorated since, so it's down, but it sits around. I do recall that in the middle of the Star Wars series, rather than just create an Empire Strikes Back, uh, like, like a series of comics, like, a, like a, each starting from issue one, they just... It just kind of happens like I don't I don't know what issue it is, but like say like issue fifty to fifty six is right. Empire Strikes Back. So that's for for those reasons alone, I'd be interested in checking out his podcast because I certainly don't want to read those. <laughs> I'd much rather have somebody uh, go through the highlights. So I'll at some point I will check out that Star Wars podcast. Uh, Clar- Clarissa Wilcox writes us back. Uh, she she confirms that she's a girl. So I was wrong. <laughs> You're you right, Adam. She wasn't a girl. <laughs> Yeah, well, there was a, well, we can go back and listen to that episode, but yeah, it was a, you had no doubts in your mind. But anyways, uh, she's actually kind of liking Dazzler, though she had never heard of her before, uh, and she seriously, seriously wants to read the story uh, one of you suggested about the mutant who never becomes a superhero. I think that was your idea, Adam, based on that classic X-Men story. Uh, Bor- we, were, we were like, uh, we both had ideas about little movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was mine. I forget what yours was, but maybe you remember. Yeah, I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Boring as it sounds, the idea always intrigued me for that every Marvel girl, there was probably another telekinetic out there 
who just became a housewife and used her powers to make the housework a little easier. That's what, a really cool idea. Yeah. The voices are still great as usual, but I particularly enjoyed uh, Magneto's Italian Jew from Days of Futures Past. That's Adam's what, voice. What? I can't do an Italian. Uh, I can't do a Jew. I don't know. Give me a break. Just mix them together and you get it. It's a me, Mario. <laughs> uh, about a topic from one of the very early issues telling Cyclops' origin, it's plausible that a kid could be prescribed glasses for chronic headaches since the pain could have caused by constant eye strain from not being able to see. A friend of hers had that exact experience, but sadly did not develop superpowers after that. Damn. <laughs> Though why the doctor in that later retconned version thought to use ruby quartz is still beyond me. Uh, she also has a suggestion for a drink, everybody. Get your uh, little pens and pencils ready. Go check your liquor cabinet. Uh, in the vidcast episode, issue number 50, Beast and Angel do a tag team move they call the billiard shot, eight ball in the side pocket. The drink would be a shot, of course, maybe uh, made of a half shot of each of a local liqueur, liquor rather, from Illinois and New York, the boys' home states. As always, thanks for making something cool to share with us, and I hope you don't get sick of doing it too soon. Well, we're not sick of it, but I have no idea what local liquor from Illinois and New York would be. Well, Probably uh, two kinds of really I, bad beer. I live in New York, so um, I'll, I'll have to investigate that. You live close to Illinois, so <laughs> you can investigate that. Well, Illinois has got a lot of corn, so hmm. maybe it's like uh, uh, Everclear. <laughs> <laughs> That's made from corn, isn't it? Uh, Brian Miller answers the long-awaited uh, answer to my question of how do you pronounce Colossus's little sister's name? And he says that uh, the name is pronounced Iliana, right? Yep. Iliana, which I think is what you said. I, I don't think I said. I think I said Iliana. Iliana. So, Ili, Il, so I was Il, close. Iliana. It's not actually a Russian name, but it is uh, not a name Claremont invented either. In Slavic cultures, including Russia, usually someone has given uh, has a given named and then patronymic name it's not really a middle name but an official part of their name and how you would address them formally in a formal setting you would not call out call colossus just peter you would call him peter nikolovich the reason his is different than iliana's is that like it sounds based on parentage but also based on gender the rules are complex but basically means son of son or daughter so son of or daughter of son of or daughter of so you would take the first father's first name and add a suffix based on the child's gender. How the name ends affects which suffix is used as well. Huh. Also, he is the one who called in about the rape of Miss Marvel. Sorry, he forgot to leave his name. It never crossed his mind. That's okay. We got your name now. Ha <laughs> sucker. But we still don't know why uh, Magneto called Peter whatever he called him in issue 141. Wasn't it Peter Alexandria or something like yeah, that? Yeah, Alexandrovich. Alexandrovich. So my uh, theory is that he and Kitty got married, and when that happens, then all the rules of Slavic are thrown out and you just make something up. <laughs> or that's <laughs> I, what... always, I always wanted to be called Alexandrovich. Then it should be. I'm Magneto, and I marry people now. <laughs> you want a bagel? Oi. All right, so uh, out on the iTunes page, we got a new review, which is awesome, from Whispering Loon. He gives us a five-star rating and says, 
These guys know what they're talking about and have fun talking about it. Heck, even when they don't know what they are talking about, they are having fun talking about it. I have been listening through their back issues, end quote, and have had fun discovering the X-Men history along uh, with them. If you are interested in the comic book backgrounds and origin storylines of the X-Men, this issue-by-issue commentary is the podcast for you. Thank you for that. Thank you very much. Uh, on the Facebook, we got a letter from Daniel Tudun. Uh Hey, guys. The podcast is still one of the best around. Had an idea for when you get to the other X-Books. Why not have guests do a little recap at the end, similar to what you do with Dazzler and Avengers. Cut down on the reading you have to do, but still keep the books involved. Guests could either call the Google number or email in. I'm willing to, willing to cover New Mutants and X-Factor when you get to them. Either way, keep it up. Um, that's an interesting idea, although I, I, I don't know. I'm speaking for – I'm only myself. I, I can't speak for you, Jeremy, but I kind of want to do all the extra reading. Uh, uh, yeah, well, I don't know. I, I like the idea. Like, you know, if, if, if the messages were to pick up a little bit and, uh, you know, if, if somebody wanted to just leave a, a quick little review on some of those extra X-Men titles, you know, it really depends. Like when it comes to Uncanny X-Men and X-Men and I'm interested, I'll read all of those to try to get the whole story put together. But when it really spirals outwardly, I mean, there's going to be like nine books you got to read in one day and you're only going to cover like two of them in depth and the other seven, you're going to be like, this happened. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're going to move on. But it's, it's like it, it, even reading like three books in a week, it's, it's, I mean, when you're trying to balance it, I'm just complaining now. I will say this, though. Um, if anybody calls the Google number or emails it in, we're going to read whatever you wrote. So <laughs> <laughs> That's how desperate we are. So if you want to call in and do some reviews, we'll totally, uh, we'll totally play it. And if you want to write in and do some reviews, we'll totally read it uh, when the time comes. Hopefully, if you do it too early, we won't lose it <laughs> as we have trouble keeping track of things. Yes, we do. And finally, from the letters uh, page, we got a letter from uh, James Howlett, who we mentioned at the top of the show. He says, hey, guys, I just caught up to the current podcast and want to thank you guys for the shout out. You're welcome. Just wanted to add to the podcast by commenting on the Claremont burn split after burn split from the X-Men and worked on the Fantastic Four. Burn would take shots at Claremont when given the chance. Following the Doom Arcade team up, Against the X-Men, Burn wrote a scene in FF to retcon Doom's involvement, feeling that Claremont paid up, pay, played up Arcade and made Doom almost inferior to the character. Uh, and then he shows us some panels in question. The, uh, there are other examples of douchery from Burn, but I thought this was an interesting piece considering you guys just covered the storyline in question. And I, do you have the panels up? I do. It, it, it's awesome. It's it's actually, I described it to Adam a little bit earlier, but words do no good. You should, maybe we'll try to post the link on the Facebook page. But it's basically Doom walking down an aisle of Doom bots, and he's like, it's so good to be back in power. And then he walks up to one of the Doom bots, and he's like, what is that mark on your shoulder? And he's like, oh, the X-Men, or Arcade, he struck a match on my chest. And Doom is like, and you didn't destroy him? And he's like, I didn't terminate him. I judged it conceivable that you may have use for him later. And then there's one, two, three, four, five very cinematic wide panels of Doom looking at the robot and the robot slowly heating up until the second to last panel when he explodes and then turns into a smoldering pile of smoke and Doom just says, 
Doom needs no one. <laughs> so it's it's a it's a really good page, but I mean it is kind of a cheap shot to be like that's not Claremont don't know how to write Doom. It's basically yeah. I'm reading it. I'm looking at it now, and he basically he's saying the Doom from X Men was actually robot a 76 yep and not doom at all <laughs> so the x-men fans can celebrate their victory but it is empty and that was from uh looks like it's page six from uh fantastic four number 258 funny uh he also asked us a question if we were still taking intro submissions and listeners i can't emphasize this enough we take intros of all intros we take submissions of all kinds Art, letters, music, whatever you got, send it our way, and we will try to use it in our podcast. So he sent us uh, a good batch of music, which has now set the tone for the next few weeks here. Uh, And i got to be honest, the gauntlet has dropped. You know, if there's some other budding musicians or music producers out there that would, you know, like to, to be heard on a very, well, somewhat listened to podcast... (laughs) <laughs> we're here for you yeah we get somewhere between 200 to 400 listeners yeah 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 somewhere in that range I so know, uh i think expand your listenership by by that much so james howlett thank you a for that tidbit of information awesome to see and uh, also thank you for the music and if you would like to submit a letter a piece of artwork or a tune you can do so by Email business card or business we card. Need business cards. We need them fast. We need them now. That's true. Adam and I were talking about like we got so many people that go to uh, comic book uh, conventions. Well, not us so much, but but maybe we'll get to one or two. Uh, but it would be handy if we had a business card of some kind that maybe we could give out to our local comic book shops, or if we happen to be out at a con, or or maybe you know if we were to go see guardians of the galaxy again maybe we could like as we leave like set them up on the chairs so that when new on each seat <laughs> exactly you know stupid little things like that but uh uh you know we would put it out to the audience like can you design us a nice um uh business card that that a promotes awareness of our podcast uh, but b is also fun to look at and if uh here's here's the deal you submit that to us and the winner well, we'll print a box for ourselves, and we'll hand them out. Well, and and maybe if you send us your address, we'll send you, like, a couple dozen of the cards or something. I don't know. Yeah, this is where you so come for the like, prizes. I designed this. <laughs> and it's handed out by these two people who do a podcast that's listened to by between two and 400 people. <laughs> I'm huge! <laughs> yeah. So to do that, uh, email us at... Uh, uh, Danger Room at redcapproductions.com. You can visit us at facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. You can go out to www.xmenpodcast.com where all of the podcasts are, as well as links to, well, essentially all of the ways to communicate with us. Uh, you can also leave a comment there. You can follow us at Danger Room Go, or you can go out to the iTunes uh, page by going into iTunes, going to the store searching for podcasts, typing in Danger Room. We come up right away. You can subscribe there, leave a five-star review, comments, whatever. Uh, And you can also call us at 501-GET-X-MEN. Any one of those methods would be a good way to communicate with us. And we love hearing from you. It's, It's one of our favorite parts of the show. So with all of that out of the way, I did some Dazzler reading, Adam. Oh, dazzle me. You're funny. I read 
Dazzler number six. Nope, number seven. I read Dazzler number seven last week, so this might be a stretch for me to try to recall. But this is uh, Dazzler fighting the Hulk. And uh, as we left off at Gordon University, um, the Hulk was leaving and she was creating a distraction so all the students could run away uh, and and all the students do run away. Dazzler kind of zips around the university. She's trying to find the Hulk so that she can stop him from doing any more damage. And she finds him in the arcade and he's throwing around pool tables, even though there's still a guy trying to play uh, pinball there. It's kind of stupid. He's uh, throwing stuff at people just he's he's doing hulk smash type stuff <laughs> but meanwhile uh while that whole fight's going on there's this mysterious guy who hires the enforcers do you remember the enforcers from spider-man sure. yes you've got montana uh ox and fancy dan weren't they yeah. in like spider-man number 11 uh, they were pretty early on they were very early um well, they're stupid as ever. <laughs> um, apparently, they've been hired to knock off Harry S. Osgood, who astute listeners will recall is Dazzler's manager. He's the guy who sounds like Harry Osborne. But his, isn't. he's Harry Osgood. We don't know why. He's just this guy, mysterious guy whose face we don't see, wants him dead. Meanwhile, uh, Dazzler continues fighting Hulk, and Hulk's like, stop confusing me, I'm smashing, and Dazzler's like, give it one more go, and I'll try to knock him over, and clearly she's not watched the news, she has no idea how powerful the Hulk is, because she just bounces off of him and stuff, just making him more and more mad. Meanwhile, soldiers show up with tanks and trucks and heavy artillery, and they're like, we're going to take out the Hulk, we're going to be the platoon that does it, and there's a couple of privates that are like, the Hulk? Does this guy know who the Hulk is? Like, We're not doing anything to the Hulk. Um, Hulk never says Hulk smash, but he does say, shoot your puny guns, Hulk will smash. So it's close. <laughs> he throws a wall at them, and some helicopters drop gas, and he's like, oh, Hulk hate gas, it make him sick. And he throws rocks and rocks at the helicopter, and the helicopter crashes. And that's when Dazzler's like, oh my god, he really is unstoppable. Until a tank shows up, and the tank is called the Grappler. And do you know what it does, Adam? It grapples him? It shoots out string, which grapples him and tries to pull him away. But of course, this is this is the Hulk, for God's sakes. Meanwhile, the band is hiding behind a rock. And I don't remember if you recall my descriptions of the band members, but there's this one there's guy. A that, <laughs> there's a band that was backing up Dazzler. Uh, and one of them just eats sandwiches the whole time, and he's like, gosh, all this excitement's making me hungry. So he's eating a sandwich. <laughs> it's really stupid. Uh, Hulk destroys the grapple tank and throws it, and then he heads back into the Hall of Science because he wants to be left alone, and Dazzler follows after. And uh, there's this guy, this bald guy, who's just kind of observing everything that's happening. So obviously there's a reason for this person to be here. Hulk goes into the laboratory, sees all the lab equipment, and is like, this reminds me of Puny Banner. And he starts smashing everything. And he's about to start smashing uh, something else, but then he sees a dog behind a cage, and he's like, little dogs, dogs are in cages, like soldiers would put Hulk in cage. So he opens up the cage and he's petting and snuggling the dog and the dog's wagging his tail. And Dazzler's like, this isn't a monster. The people that persecute Hulk are like the people in the subway who were persecuting me when they found out I was a mutant. Do you remember that? 
Gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the army men come in, and Dazzler's like, I've got to like stop the army men from taking the Hulk on, because the Hulk has a big old heart. And so she does a Dazzle Blast, but Hulk gets confused, and he's like, why are you using Dazzle Blast on Hulk? And so he's about to smash her, and, and she's like, no, nah, I'm very scared of you. And Hulk's like, I'm going to kill you now. And she's like, I believe that you would kill me. And he's like, well, I'm not going to kill you. You go away. Uh, and she's like, you're not a monster. You can be gentle. And Hulk's like, I'm a monster. I'll crush you. And basically, Dazzler talks him down and uses some of her light hypnosis power to kind of calm him down, which then turns him into Bruce Banner. Whew. So after all of that destruction, uh, Bruce is like, oh, man, what's the Hulk done now? <laughs> <laughs> and so Dazzler takes him and they run off and she hides him in a big trunk which the band loads into their van to drive away with all their instruments and they're wondering why is this heavy and dazzler's like well because the hulk's in there of course and they're like ha 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 whatever and then the fat guy is like all this moving makes me hungry (laughs) it's really bad anyway so they drive away and uh Bruce waits a little while, and when the, he's he's sure that the band is gone, he gets out of the car, and he walks away very much like the TV show. You just see his back. He's hitchhiking. The music is literally playing in the background. It has to be. Dazzler gave him $200 so that he could kind of get himself out of town and get himself together. Which, get out of town. Yep, and that was all the money that Harry S. Osgood gave her for this performance. So, once again, she's not able to fill her refrigerator. Mm. Oh, man. The bald guy is still spying on her. It's not over? No, the bald guy is still spying on her. She kind of sees him, but then she's like, oh, it's just an old man reading the paper. So she goes into her apartment, which is where she discovers she has no food. She's like, Dorn, I gave Bruce all my money. Maybe I can get some dinner with Dr. Jansen, if you remember him. He's the guy that was trying to kiss her, but then got called away. So she calls up and gets the secretary, and the secretary is like, uh, no, he's not here. And Dr. Jansen walks up and is like, oh, who's that? And it's like, oh, no, it's just a pharmaceutical rep. I told him you were in surgery. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, I was hoping it was Allison. Be sure to let her know me know if she calls. And the secretary is like, someday you'll see, Paul, that I am the one for you, not that foolish singer. <laughs> little drama there in paradise so dazzler takes all of her clothes off in a hot scene where she just see her in her bra oh yeah <laughs> and she thinks to herself she gets kind of in a little sexy pose where she slinks up her shoulder she puts her little finger in her mouth and she's like i should be in dreamland before you can say good night dr jansen but dr jansen's not there i have to say her chances with uh, dr jansen seem like a long shot she falls asleep, and the bald man reading the paper is like, I've, um, uh, this is the one. She can be of use to us. If I'm to make successful contact with her, it must be soon. And there it is. Wow. Wonderful. Just, just wonderful. <laughs> riveting Dazzler has absolutely nothing to do with anything. I also read Marvel Team-Up number 109 which features Spider-Man and Dazzler. Uh, The only interesting thing about this issue is that it was written by Herb Trimpey. I mean, it was drawn by Herb Trimpey, and he did Transformers. We've talked about that before, though. Um, Spider-Man is being killed by Thermo, the Thermotronic Man, but Dazzler (laughs) saves him and brings him back to her apartment, 
feeds him breakfast. There's this other guy whose name is, I can't remember what his name is. He's a good guy, though. I don't really know what they're trying to do. doesn't really say. But they definitely want to get this Thermo, the Thermotronic guy. Thermo, the Thermotronic dude, or whatever his name is, he finds a Satan cult. And he says that he's their god now. And he uses his powers to show them how powerful they are. And by sunrise, all the Satanists are worshiping Thermo. That's wow, cool. It's pretty heavy. J. Jonah Jameson's still trying to push the Spider-Man threat thing, but Robbie's like, I don't know. People are getting kind of sick of that. But uh, meanwhile, Peter Parker, he's a little sick, and he's trying to get back to full strength because Thermo, he has this power where he can, like, absorb your strength and add it to his strength. So he, Spider-Man lost a bunch of it. But he's got this nullifier that somebody made for him, and he's modifying the nullifier, and that's his plan to get rid of Thermo. And... Uh, Dazzler does a costume, some people watch her, or a concert, some people watch her. But on the way uh, out of from the backstage area, these three guys jump her because they're really mad that she saved Spider-Man from Thermo in the first place. And they all convene at the Satan Club, and Spider-Man uses the nullifier on Thermo and decides that in order not to touch Thermo, he makes himself some spider fluid boxing gloves in order to punch him. <laughs> Which doesn't make any sense because he wears gloves. It's not like he was going to touch him anyways, but whatever. Uh, Dazzler eventually comes back to her senses. Oh, the other good guy, his name was Paladin. He's, oh, yeah. Paladin's a, a Spider-Man dude. Yeah. Like he's, he's a he's, friend. He's he's in this, He was like in Assassination Nation. Oh, I, I'm not familiar with that it story. Like a, it was like one of the classic five-parters uh, of Spider-Man or something like that. It's, it's up there, in my mind... Cover-wise, because I've never read it with uh, the Craven thing. Oh. So it's basically Paladin, Dazzler, and Spider-Man versus Thermo. And uh, eventually Spider-Man is actually able to get his uh, nullifier thing, which he modified to be a helmet, onto Thermo's head. He loses his powers. Somehow Thermo's wife showed up, and Thermo was about to kill her. But he ended up being taken into custody, and she's sad and and everybody walks away and paladin's like huh, everybody hooked up with the girl but me oh well <laughs> guess i got some money money's not everything and off he goes yeah he's like a mercenary for hire or something so not a very interesting outing for dazzler and spider-man well i gotta tell you uh avengers number 211 has x-men cameos galore and uh, it all starts out after last issue, Cap has decided to limit the number of Avengers down to six. And uh, the Avengers are really dour about that. And they're all upset. And How many Avengers are there? Cap is serious. How many, how many Avengers are there right now? Um, I think there's more than six. Are there seven? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's maybe eight or nine okay. or ten or something. Wouldn't that be awkward if there's a seven-man team and Captain America's like, we have to narrow the team down to six, and you're like, oh, come on. Can't you just kick me off? <laughs> um, to lighten the mood, Beast steals Wonder Man's glasses, and Wonder Man complains about everybody being able to see his crazy eyes and chases him outside, and they have a very serious talk about what being a superhero means and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then a bunch of superheroes show up at the at the uh, Avengers meeting where Captain America is going to decide who the six are. It's, I guess, later. And uh, among the superheroes are Angel, Iceman, and Dazzler. 
Oh, are they joining? Uh, they're they they don't actually know why they're there. Uh, Iceman says he's done being Iceman and he's going to be an accountant. And if they want to get their taxes done, they know where to find him. All right. And um, he and Moon Knight try to leave, but they start fighting because they're compelled by some invisible force, the same force that brought them there in the first place. Uh, Angel starts flying around, and Tigra feels compelled to fight him. Uh, Beast finds Tigra vaguely unsettling. At first, he's like, oh, she's got real fur, just like me. Why do I find that so unsettling? <laughs> it turns out that Moondragon has forced the hero, the heroes to show up and fight. Uh, she used to be an Avenger. Mm -hmm. She reveals herself, claiming that they need her to help make their decision of who should be on the team. Uh, that's when Hawkeye, the Black Panther, and the Black Widow leave. Moondragon freezes the rest of the Avengers, the current members, and starts testing Dazzler now. Uh, she decides that Dazzler's power is greater than Dazzler herself suspects, but since she can feel in her heart of hearts that she would rather be a minstrel, she lets her go. Mm. Um, Dazzler doesn't want to leave, but Scarlet Witch is like, go, well, you have the chance. And Dazzler's like, well, I feel really bad about it, but when the Scarlet Witch tells you to go, you go, girl. <laughs> uh, Iron Man manages to escape from Moondragon's psionic control, and that's when uh, the Avengers, uh, he, he manages to get all the Avengers free, and that and they want to battle Moondragon, and she's like, I'm wasting my time, and she leaves. And that's when I felt like, I'm wasting my time. <laughs> uh, Iceman and Angel leave, and Angel feels bad. He says, I sort of hate to leave. I haven't really done much with my life since the champions broke up. Besides hanging around with the X-Men a little, I never thought about becoming an Avenger. Maybe I ought to. And that's the end of Angel. Um, <laughs> Wonder Man leaves to pursue acting, uh, an acting career uh, with Hercules, who somehow has connections in the world of Hollywood. Sure, why not? Beast decides to return to science and quits the Avengers. Scarlet Witch and Vision also decide to try normal life and quit the team. So now there's only five normal members of the Avengers. So the new lineup uh, is ends up being Cap, Iron Man, Thor, Tiger, Wasp, and Yellow Jacket. Jocasta flees because they forgot about her. Um, but then it's revealed that she was going to be made an honorary seventh member, like on call, and she would get to live at the mansion. But she ran away, so they don't know what's going, what what her deal is. Um, yeah, and that's it. Wow. On the Avengers, so I'm done. Thank goodness. I mean, for you, for a, for a little while anyway, <laughs> till Beast joins another super team. Uh, I also read in Incredible Hulk number 263, which clearly takes place in the uh, in the in the middle of the TV series because they mentioned Dr. Robert Bruce Banner in the the headliner. Yeah, which I thought he was just Bruce Banner, and then the show made him Robert Bruce Banner. No, in the show he was David Bruce Banner. Oh, and if you oh, were, never mind then. If you no, but if you remember, uh, in one of the between X Men and Uncanny X Men. Somebody refers to him as Robert Banner, and then we looked into it, and Stanley made some, or maybe it was even earlier, but somewhere someone was like, we couldn't keep all these names straight, so Bruce became Bob, it was Bob Banner, so then it was David Bruce Robert Banner, <laughs> just like Amos Duncan and Fred Duncan. 
Right. But now they just all have a bunch of <laughs> typoed middle names. So yeah, if you look up Robert Banner, that's like his middle name, I guess. Okay. And I think in the TV show, they called him David Banner because they thought Bruce was too gay, maybe? Yeah, that's what I think we've mentioned that before. Yeah, on the podcast. okay. I've heard that. I've heard that too. So there you go. Uh, there is an author. Oh, this this uh, uh, issue is called "I Feel the Earth Move Under My Feet and the Sky Come Tumbling Down." Mo. Um, there is an author's note on the first page that says, "Despite the near destruction of an airliner and Los Angeles International Airport, this story was not written by Kamikaze Chris Claremont." Oh, so I guess. He's associated with destruction now. Nice. Anyway, uh, this issue features Avalanche. He is at an airport, and the earthquake, uh, he earthquakes the ground under a landing plane causing an airplane crash. He says he's come out to L.A. to escape the super team scene after the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants got beat by the X-Men, and he wants to blackmail California State. He's tired of working for Mystique, and he's going to hold California hostage uh, for ransom. Wow. Sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> uh, some guy named Landslide, who is not a mutant, but has a similar power set as Avalanche, begins fighting against Avalanche because uh, Avalanche is messing with the Earth where Mole Man is. And so Mole Man told him to go figure out what's going on because he's threatening to destroy Mole Man's lair. Landslide lives with Mole Man. They're, they're like a, another comedy duo. I don't know. It's a buddy comedy. Right. Uh, <laughs> the Hulk has uh, secretly followed Landslide to the airport, and as Avalanche uh, and Landslide begin fighting, the Hulk doesn't want to care, but then he learns that Betty and Rick uh, Jones are on the plane, and Rick has been injured by Avalanche, so that's when he starts to fight Avalanche. Avalanche tries to use his power to earthquakeify the Hulk's body, but his powers don't work that way. So the force beams rebound back to Avalanche and cause, cause multiple fractures in every bone in his arms. <laughs> wow. Um, leaving him a collapsed, unhappy man on the ground. Uh, Hulk leaves with Rick and Betty when the LAPD try to arrest him and Landslide goes home thinking, boy, Hulk helped save the day, but there he goes. And that's that's pretty much the that issue. Oh, nice. So now we know what Avalanche is up to. No good. I had no idea that he had like a he ever had like his own little story outside of the Brotherhood or X Men or X Factor. Well, actually, just outside of the um, outside of the Brotherhood. He tried to he tried to make it on his own hmm. in a ridiculous plot to hold California ransom. Well, anything else? No, that's it. Whew. Well then, on that note, the danger room is closed. 